I'm Christy Galtier. My husband, Phil, and I are the co-founders of Soul Shepherding. We teach you how to thrive with Jesus in life and leadership. Today we're continuing our popular series on the Enneagram as I have a soul talk with my friend, Bobby Schuler. Bobby is the lead pastor of Shepherd's Grove and the Hour of Power, which is the longest running televised church service in America. Every week, he reaches millions of people around the world with the gospel of Jesus. Bobby is also the author of You Are Beloved. Hello, Soul Talks friends. We're back with Bobby Schuler here. Thanks, Bobby, for joining us for another conversation. Hey, Bill. Good to be here, man. We are going to talk about the Enneagram, uh, of course, because that's been our series, and we're going to tie into your book, You Are Beloved. Okay, awesome. Great. And I dedicated that book to you, by the way. Thank you for that. I'm so honored by that. I love that book, yeah. and I love that message, and yeah. I was uh, praying about it as I was thinking about this conversation, and I realized that maybe even more than you uh, intended, you like really tapped into the wisdom of the Enneagram with this book. Yeah, I didn't know that. I heard on your podcast a couple of, uh, you and Christy were talking about uh, how these different groups, this is so fascinating. So let me see if I can get it right. I'll pass pass the quiz. Uh, the, the gut types are, I am, uh, I am what I do. Yep. And the, uh, the head types are, I am, this is the only change. I am what people feel about no, me. No, the head types are I am what I have. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry, yeah. And the, the emotional types or the heart types are I am what people feel I am. And then yeah, like the head types, the five, six, and seven, are I am what I have. Yeah, and that's pretty much what you have in your Creed of the Beloved. Yeah, and that, that portion, I've said it till I'm blue in the face, but it's it's not an original thing. It's, it came from Henry Nouwen. Yeah. And um, in my book, I talk in the intro about you know putting that together, that that first half, it's not the whole Creed, but it's the it's the most the best part of the Creed is, is the beginning there. And uh, I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not what people say about me. I am the Beloved of God. Mm-hmm. And the, the way that got worked into my own life I just I forget how, but I heard I heard the it's actually Glenn DeMaster's office. And yeah. I was into. You know, I was wondering who's when I read that in your book. I was wondering was whose office was he in because I know all those pastors. <laughs> yeah, because Glenn was Glenn was kind of sponsoring my um, the, I forget the program the MFC, MFCA is that what it's called CPE. Uh, no, it's the it's the program you have to do in the RCA for your ordination. Oh. So he you have to have another RCA pastor sort of sponsor you. So he was my you know mentor through that process. I was in his office. I loved Henry now at the time, and and I think he has a book. I forget which one it is. He's got like forty books. I've read all of them, but it's in one of them that he talks. But he had this this tape, and it said Henry now at the Crystal Cathedral, nineteen ninety six. Yeah, um, which was like the year he died, or a year before he died, something yeah. like that. I, I was there. I heard those messages. You know, it's so funny. awesome. You know, it's so funny is is at the time there were three uh, church services at the cathedral, and he thought that he was supposed to give a different sermon at each service so at the eight o'clock he gave one sermon at 9 30 he gave another and 11 he gave and thank another. god he did thank <laughs> god he did they're all so good yeah. and uh and but it was in those sermons he basically gave a three i actually put them on my youtube page if somebody wants to watch them uh, they they he talks about this thing you're not what you do you're not what you have not what people say about you and so i started just praying that mm-hmm. in my life and for whatever reason, I feel like more than any other discipline in my life, just saying that before I d- did any kind of quiet time, mm-hmm. it just meant so, it helped me so much. I saw so much, you know, I hate to say quick change, but it was, it, it was, 
very, you know, over a period of just a few days, I can see a big difference in my life, just praying it over my life. So the creed of the beloved is this kind of, it's a little bit makeshift, and it's the prayer that the, I would change one thing, though, and I think you'll agree with this, is at the end we say, uh, uh, I have to go from the top here. Uh, I'm not what I do, and I'm going to have people say about me, I'm the beloved of God, it's who I am, no one can take it from me, I don't have to worry, I don't have to hurry, I can trust my friend Jesus and share his love with the world. And you might even guess what I'm going to say, but I, I've said this lots of times, I wish I would have changed it to, and I can share his love with my neighbor. Because yeah. I think so often Christians feel overwhelmed, like we just got to love everybody. And I think very often of these words Dallas, I read later after writing the creed, it's not about loving everybody, it's about loving somebody. It's a yeah. good word. Well, uh, we, we know what you mean, and I understand as a fellow author that that's the thing about print, is it's very unforgiving. Because the you know real life is a journey, and we're we're continuing to learn as we go along, and so we look back on things we wrote in the past, and we could maybe write it even better now, but yeah. we don't get to do that unless you're writing on the internet, which is where most of my writings are, and I can always edit them. Yeah, I was going to say unless you're a one and you write an entire book and hate it so much you just throw it away. Yeah, that's... when you told me that, I can't believe. How do you throw away a whole book? Yeah, you don't at least print it and put it on your shelf. It's my spiritual formation program. Death to self. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Finding finding grace and joy even in that. So Yeah. yeah. That t- it takes a lot of courage though to throw away a book. Well you told me Henry Allen did that. That he he wrote some he would write a five hundred page book and then he would condense it down to hundred and fifty and publish he that. He did. That's it might be it might be apocryphal. I've heard that on several occasions. I yeah. I haven't read that. I don't have an original source for that. But I've that's the rumor is that what he would do and remember he was a professor at I think Harvard and Yale, yeah. right? So he would write these giant manuscripts first, knowing that he would sort of whittle them down. And what he would do is, you know, have a whole paragraph that has thick, you know, theological or, you know, um, language. And he would be like, how can I say this in one sentence that touches the heart? And that's that's kind of how he wrote his books. And his books are actually really, you know, they're technically 100 pages or 150 pages, but they end up being... They have pictures and they're yeah. full print. They're really like you know ten thousand words, very very small. Yeah, usually he's writing to well, he's always writing to the heart, and often it's based on one key story from his life and some you know great principle of wisdom, and he's just talking to us about that from his heart. And mm-hmm. so, really, that's what you're doing. And you are beloved, and you're you're taking that that wisdom, and uh, it's it, we know it's a deep wisdom uh, coming from Henry Nowen. Uh, and that's Henry Nowen's unpacking of the way Jesus deals with the temptations, mm-hmm. the three temptations. And, and the Enneagram is also bringing that same wisdom. Yeah. And so it's just uh, really an amazing thing to me that, you know, we, we gut types, and I'm a, a one uh, with the perfectionistic tendencies and all that, and, and the tendency to anger and hiddenness with that, taking on too many responsibilities and burdens. And so I'm, I'm with you in that triad that like, yeah, I am what I do. That's the lie that we can believe. That's the one that had the mo- biggest impact on me. And I always probably wrongly assume that's the one that has the most meat for everybody. But, you know, the, the theory would be that the head types, the five, six, and seven, struggle with I am what I have. So if I'm poor, I'm worthless. If I'm rich, I'm, I mean something. Or whatever, right? It, can be, it doesn't have to be material. It can be other things. Yeah, like for the seven, it's I, I am the pleasurable experiences that I have or that I'm planning. Yeah. Because sevens are all about planning the next fun thing. I and know. they're getting their, their, their meaning and their happiness out of that. 
Yeah. And for the fives, it, yeah, it would tend to be more uh, knowledge, uh, money, uh, the hoarding those resources. Mm. Uh, the sixes are really into sort of the rules and, and tradition and uh, getting power from authority figures. Mm-hmm. And so they're, they're trying to gather that to, to feel secure because the head types are really struggling with anxiety and fear. Yeah. Yeah. And then the heart triad, that's the helper twos and the achieving threes and the individualist or romantic fours. Uh, those heart types are really finding themselves by looking at their reflection in other people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, I am what others feel about me or as you say it, uh, I am what others say about me would be the, the temptation. Yeah. But the truth is that you're getting it in your creed is no, that's not who I am. I'm a child yeah. of God. I'm a brother of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. So we we're so I'm a big believer in the via negativa, right? So it's, it's all about before we say what we are, we have to reject what we are not. I love the whittling yeah. down of things and yeah. the simplifying of things. So what'd you call it? The via uh, via negativa. You, you a, have some great. You'd use one of those Sunday in church. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, what was the word you? you anyway, it was a, he, a, he, a Greek word, but so. Oh, maybe avodah. Is that yeah, right? avodah. Hebrew? Yeah, yeah. The, the word in Hebrew avodah is uh, it means worship, it means work, and it means service. And so, when you're yeah. translating it in the Hebrew Bible, that's why the Old Testament's way more fun to translate than the Greek. Greek has like 80,000 words and Hebrew has like 2,000, at least at the time of the writing of the Old Testament. Modern modern Hebrew has, you know, more like a normal modern language. But yeah, so for, for the, you know, the Old Testament, there is really no difference between like when Adam and Eve are called to Abad and Shemar or Vad and Shemar, that's the word Avodah. So, so Abad and Shemar, the garden, are they, does that mean they're, it can either mean worship, it can mean service, or it can mean work. So the idea is that your yeah. work is your worship, et cetera. I thought that was so interesting. So via negativa comes from old Catholic stuff, and it's the idea of like whittling down, you know, r- removing things from your life mm-hmm. rather than adding things to your life, or removing things from your thinking rather than adding things to your thinking, so you can think clear. So the via negativa then would be in the affirmation before we talk about who we are, before we say we're the beloved, for the purpose of clarity. We say we're not what I I'm not what I do. I'm sorry, I keep doing that. I'm using my hands you're, you're, as if you're, people can see in a podcast. It's helping my hands you communicate. Are going everywhere. It's it's that enneagram eightness. I guess ba- so. banging the microphone and, and energy and I guess yeah, so. it's communicating to me. Well, good. Yeah, so it's like I'm not what I do. Before I say I'm the beloved, I have to recognize I'm not what I do. Just in God's eyes, it doesn't matter. I'm not what I have. That doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. I'm not what people say about me. That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I, so this that's it's that whittling down. Then what am I? If I don't if I'm not any of those things, what am I? I'm the beloved. Mm. So how great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. Amen. That we should be called children of God. Yeah, first John three one. So that's your it's your mantra. Mm-hmm. And the the biggest pushback I always get, I removed all this from the book because my writing coach said I was being too defensive. But uh, the biggest pushback I would get is like, well, what about I'm not what I do morally? And actually, I have a whole chapter on that you're not what you do morally. Mm-hmm. And it's not this, and it's like, you know, I've been called a holiness preacher, you know, like I, I love to preach on the Sermon on the Mount. I think what you do matters, what you do is important, what you have matters is important, what people say about you is important. Yeah. Right? So it's not those things aren't important, it's just that they're not what you are, right? So, in, and that's a big part of the gospel of grace, right? We're not, we're not our good works. So yeah. I, it's amazing how many pastors I will hear that in one breath, 
I'm saved by grace. I'm not my works. And then they're just, you just feel so judged because mm-hmm. I'm not good enough. <laughs> I'm not doing yep. enough. You a know? lot of that's because they don't understand the path of transformation and they don't understand the, the deeper spirituality, uh, the emotions, relationships, and just the psychology of personality formation and reformation. Mm-hmm. And so they get the doctrine of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then to see people change, they don't realize that they're actually pressuring them and exerting force on their will, being manipulative to try yeah. to, with judgments, <laughs> to try to get them to change so they look like Christians. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So how has the Enneagram helped you in terms of your sense of your identity as the, the beloved uh, of the Lord? Yeah. Well, I mean, um, that's a good question. Um, so if I'm, if I'm thinking in terms of my book, I think that uh, I struggle a lot with um, not, not, you know, not having a meaningful life, not making a difference. Um, I think that so much of my life, I'm trying to think about a way to say this on the radio without like, you know, talking about personal friends and family members and stuff. But there's so much of my life, honestly, was about um, a long time being confused. My parents were divorced. Um, I experienced some uh, some abuse from uh, a member, you know, distant member of my family. Um, a lot of bullying. So that when, so so that was confusing for me as a child. You know, where where sometimes from the same people, you get an incredible amount of love, compassion, empathy, support, and then an, at another time you get something that's like the opposite. Mm-hmm. So I think it was very difficult as a kid. Um, you know, feeling confused, you know, parents, I don't think they always mean to do this, of course, but, you know, parents, when they're divorced, sometimes you feel like you always have to choose between, you know, parents, and then you feel a lot of guilt and shame about that from the one you didn't choose. So for me, a big part of, um, you know, I think a big part of becoming an eight was powering up, learning to just, you know what, it's not my problem. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to, you do, you do you, I'm going to do me. Mm-hmm. You know, and we'll just do the best we can. Yeah. And this was this was a you'd probably say a coping mechanism, right? I mean, this is a way that I learned to adapt in many ways yeah. to my environment, which I think overall wasn't bad. I had a great childhood, you know, a great parents, great grandparents, great friends, but you know, all of us we experience these feelings of you know rejection and um, junior high, early high school is always an interesting time when you're sort of trying to find mm-hmm. your place in the world. I'll never forget my first fight. Uh, I was uh, was in sixth grade, and uh, I was sitting down doing my homework, and uh, I was whistling. I whistle all the time, like everybody, and I don't hear myself doing it. That's great. Unconscious whistling. Yeah, making cheer. that's a classic. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, it's not good for sneaking up on people, but it's, <laughs> but it's good. So I was working on my homework, and I'm, I'm whistling something. And this, you know, punk kid, I, I forget his uh, No, I know his name. His name was Jeff. And he, he looked at me, and he says, hey. I didn't know him at the time. Hey, stop whistling. You know, Mm. this is like classic boys in the playground, you know, um, trying to, you know, uh, you know, lord over each other. And so he said, I said, what? And he goes, stop whistling. And I just looked at him like, like eye to eye locked and like whistled at him, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like, what are you going to do about it? He said, I stopped, stop whistling. So I like leaned in like nose to nose, like whistled more, you know? And, uh, and then, uh, his friend, 
grabbed me from behind and he started punch you know this is we're kids you know we're like not very old right so it's nothing nobody really got hurt but you know when you're a kid you think this is everything and so he starts hitting me a little bit and i break free from my friend and i got him right across the jaw and he dropped like a sack of potatoes mm. to the ground and grabbed his mouth and we both started crying <laughs> classic sixth grade you know so we went to the principal's office and the principal you know actually sided with me said you know you attacked me defended himself and that whole experience like brought something to the surface mm. in me that was yeah. really like i have you know i can choose if i'm brave enough i've got the power got the i've power. got the ability to defend myself to make things right yeah that's right that's exactly right and so 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 much i think so much of my value as a person came from you know having control of myself mm -hmm. having control of my emotions what I, you know, which was is actually an illusion. That it's like this idea that I control my emotion. I'm stoic. I, I'm a man. I, I, I lead. I do what I. There's this joke. I had. A, I was in a very dark place in my life once, and a friend, a good friend of mine, um, Hillary. She said, she said, "What are your goals?" Very sweetly, "What are your goals this year?" And I just was not. And I looked at her and I said, "I don't have any goals. If I want to do something, I just do it." Like they teased me forever about this, but I was in like kind of. I was this was years ago. I was not in a good place at all. Everything in my life was. And so that's when I'm like in this not good place, that's how I start to, you know, power up all the time. Yeah, you wanting know? control, even control of your environment or people around you. Yeah. And I and and so so the your beloved message is about is about the opposite of that. Mm. You know, it's that you're loved. You don't need to power up. Let God have the power. You don't need to prove anything. You don't need to set things straight. You don't need to tell it like it is. You don't need to pick a fight. You don't need to, you don't need to always, you know, and, uh, you know, for my personality type, I don't have to worry about going the other way. It almost never happens. I don't have to worry about, you know, not being direct enough. I don't have to worry about not powering up. You know, I have to worry about what I need to work on is, is just giving it to the Lord and living kind of like a peaceful life with open hands. Yeah. The, the letting go of control, mm -hmm. trusting God with that. And then the, the self-awareness and vulnerability and so that's what that's what you're writing about and you are mm -hmm. beloved oh and this is what i learned from you and this is what's so important is that power of indirection yeah you can't just will to do that like you can try mm -hmm. to do that for a little bit and you can work on it but the indirect part is that third piece affirming the belovedness of god through bonding deeply with your neighbor bonding deeply with your friends and family uh, bonding deeply with a soul friend mm -hmm. and then and then really getting this also personal you know bond with the lord with his love towards you, even if you don't, even if you're unemployed, unmarried, unhappy, on whatever, that that he's just so just so loves us, you know, mm -hmm. cares for us, and we don't have anything to prove. So I think it's that third piece that very often, like books, will say something like, "Do this, yeah, do that, try harder." But one of the things I've learned from you, and it's one reason I dedicated. I don't know if you like the book, by the way. I don't know if you. I love it. the book. Oh, good. Okay. <laughs> I'm always worried. I'm not sure if you're gonna like my stuff. Well, anyway, we'll, we can talk about that later. But I, but I, I, uh, I, I really felt like the power of indirection, this sort of soul digging, is what I learned from you, and the the value of like you can't mm -hmm. you can't make the the moral change or the you know the choice changes until you make the the heart change. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the enneagram is is helping us with that by surfacing things that are unconscious. You're you're illustrating that in. And it's also helping us because we don't have within us what we need to change. And 
some Enneagram teachers maybe don't bring this out very clearly because it's not a popular thing in our culture to say that, well, I'm not enough and I, I can't help myself. Mm-hmm. I need God. Uh, but I think the um, I'm confident that the, the right way, the best way, the most uh, helpful and loving way to use the Enneagram is to see in it that in, in the example with the eight now, the way into healing and growth is to find something that's not in you, but it's in a healthy two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, Jesus is the perfect uh, type uh, around the clock for all, all nine types. And so we're looking to Jesus, mm-hmm. but Jesus has nine different faces yeah. on the Enneagram, nine different expressions, uh, particularly within human personality. And so the things that were unconscious within you, the will to, to power, to defend yourself, to, to be in control, to not be controlled no matter what, to mm-hmm. get your way, uh, that doesn't actually end up working. Yeah. So the Enneagram helps you become conscious of that tendency, uh, that's that root sin, and then to learn from a gentler type that's considerate and uh, gives empathy to others, and and part of that is receiving empathy yourself. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I would say some of the things that the Enneagram taught me about some blind spots was, you know, my th- this deep fear of being controlled, and that that really comes through in ways of like. Um, not wanting to, uh, not not wanting to do or be stuck doing stuff that doesn't matter, you know, mundane stuff. I know nobody wants that, but like, I feel like I'm very aware of like wasting time, inefficiency, inaction, um, and being controlled, um, being manipulated, you know, um, by people who who I'm close to. Mm. Like, I, if if I feel like they're trying to manipulate me into doing something. It's very, it's very hard for me to deal with that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's, it's helped me. And then, the, and then just learning that, I, I think we already mentioned it, but just that people, you know, they, they need me to, to, to be generous, to be hospitable, to be noticing of their emotions, to, to not always make it about action and doing things, but to really sit down and hear a person's heart and really draw people out. I mean, that's, that's something that doesn't always come natural to me. Um, but when I, you know, but when I learn to live in this sort of grace of the beloved thing, it's, it becomes more natural to, to do mm. that. Well, I just want to thank you, Bobby, on behalf of a lot of people for the inner work that you have done because it's making a, a huge difference in the ways that you love your wife and your children and your friends and mm. your staff and the people of Shepherd's Grove and the viewers of Our Power and uh, all those uh, reflections and wrestlings and confessions and uh, soul talk conversations and spiritual disciplines and all that is, you know, the Lord is refining you. And I, I'm getting a front row seat in our friendship over these years to see you just become more and more like Jesus, more and more generous and compassionate and considerate and really looking to bless other people and uh, and just such wisdom on top of it. I mean, it was just amazing sitting in church on Sunday at Shepherd's Grove here in Irvine and hearing you unpack the Sermon on the Mount and just give us just great insights. And so the work that you have done to uh, develop, you are the beloved, the the creed, the message, uh, it's making a difference. Oh, thanks, Bill. I appreciate that so much. Well, it's it's such an important message, you know, that we just... It's your life. You're living it. You know, we're we're all so... I think so so many of us are so unconsciously lonely you know like mm. there's this hidden part of so many of us that feels unseen and unloved and it's very hard i think for any type 
to be to to allow that part to be to be seen and sort of take a risk and allow at least you know people closest to you to to see that part of your life or to not always have the right answers to not always work not whatever and and this is something that I, I feel like so many people are suffocating because they have this secret loneliness. Yeah. 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 So I, I know that from the inside too. It's just so important for me to be finding safe people that mm. I'm, I'm real with and I'm, Hey, I'm having a hard time right now. And this is what I'm going through things to confess to. And as the Lord meets me in that and people give me empathy and grace to, um, be uh, courageous to share those stories with with other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, just the other day, a pastor shared with me, uh, thanking me for our Soul Shepherding blog and saying, you know, I just appreciate your vulnerability. And you know, when we do that, uh, you who are listening, you have a you have a place of uh, a, a message. You have a platform, whether it's Facebook or a church pulpit or a small group you lead or soul friends that you talk with or a family that you care for. We have pe- we all have people around us that, that listen to us and they're looking for Jesus in our life. And one of the, one of the best things that we can do is find ways to share uh, the work of God in our life through our brokenness and our weakness uh, as the Lord is helping us and let other people see into that. And uh, that's been fun to journey with you, Bobby, and see your vulnerability, uh, even as a, a high-powered Enneagram 8. And that's, that's the best. That's the best leaders when, when the, the one with the, the giftings and the knowledge and the power is uh, authentic and, and real and can say, hey, I'm struggling with this too, and, and here's where I was hurt, but here's what I'm learning, or here's where I messed up, and I'm sorry, but here's what the Lord's teaching us. Mm-hmm. I think it's also too when we talked about this on this about just not having to, not having to deliver. You know, like being able like do people want to be around me if I'm not, and this is not just me, but I think a lot of people if I'm not funny, if I'm not helpful, if I'm not contributing, if I'm not like do do people just do people like me? You know, and I think I think that that's that's a big part of it too. It's not just the confession; it's the mm-hmm. it's the being desirable to my neighbor. Am I do people want to be around me? You know, even if like you're not your best personality. Yeah, yeah. Like if I could, yeah. if I'm just me, you know, would people want to be around me? And I think that all of us we unconsciously do are yeah. always proving, you know, trying to prove. And I almost feel like that's at the heart of almost every bit of the nine types is almost mm-hmm. like how do we try and prove ourselves? You know, either to show I this is what I do, this is what I have, or this is this is what people feel about me. Sure. It's almost like I think um, there's a way that sort of every type kind of does that. Yeah. So for me as a one, I feel like I need to do it perfect. Yeah. And then here, here we're sitting down, we're doing a podcast and a Facebook live video and I forget to record the podcast. (laughs) 35 minutes later, we figure that out. And, and Bobby is just jumping right in there. Bill, that's okay. It was fun doing it. And, uh, we'll we'll do better the next time. And I got all day and you're just giving grace. And that's like, that's like, uh, uh, just a healing tonic for an Enneagram one, you know, oh, the perfectionist out there. When someone gives you your grace and you can dial down that internalized pressure and feel like <laughs> you need to do everything perfect. It's like, no, I don't need to. I just, we're doing life together with Jesus and it's all good. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, I would say if you, uh, my type would be like, if that was the fourth time you did it, I would have like thrown a chair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but at the first, you know, but especially with a one, I mean, everything is so perfect, you know, in your life. It's like, uh, and, um, no, but I, I, that's, that's it. That's exactly right. The two, you know, if I surf, you know, I matter the four, if I make an, write an amazing song, the, yep. you know, the seven, if I'm the life of the party, yep. you know, the, so the, these false identities, yeah, the yeah. false identities. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. 
And the true one is that we are the beloved of God with Jesus. And I think that also the we're, we're the beloved of our neighbor. We don't we don't understand that people really do love us more than more than we realize. So I think that's key. Well, thanks for uh, talking with us here on Soul Talks. Really appreciate your time and your your stories, your wisdom, and just sharing our soul friendship here. And don't forget to remind everybody. Thank you. And don't forget to remind everybody you're coming to preach. Shepherd's Grove, March 31st and April 7th. I'll be preaching at Bobby's Church. Looking forward to that. Love to have you there if you're in Orange County, California. And if you're not, you don't have to miss out. You can watch live on Facebook through uh, Soul Shepherding, our Facebook page, or through the Shepherd's Grove Facebook page. And we would love to have you tune in. We'll be talking about the Enneagram and your path to Jesus. We'll be talking, uh, bringing some scriptures to life and how the Lord wants to heal your identity and give you new freedom and how you can use the ancient tool of the Enneagram. And if you're new to the Enneagram, that's okay. We're going to, we're going to just kind of guide you along step by step, just like we're doing in these podcasts. Yeah. Awesome. I'm so glad you're coming. It's going to be great. Thanks for having me. It's an honor. So, uh, could you close us in prayer, Bobby? Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. So Lord, we just, um, First of all, we just thank you that you love us so much, yes, and Jesus. you see all the stuff uh, in our life, and you love us just as we are, not as we should be. So, Lord, we almost want to begin by letting go of all the ways we try and prove ourselves to our neighbor or to mm-hmm. you, and we thank you that we don't have to prove anything to you to be love, loved or accepted by you, that because of what Christ did on the cross through his resurrection, we're raised to life already. And then I just pray that you'd send your Holy Spirit uh, into the bodies and minds of everyone under the sound of my voice, mm. that you would just affirm uh, in our heart and mind this truth, that you love us, that you made us, uh, that though we want to be better, we want to do better, we want to achieve more, it's okay to be where we are now, to just be at peace and, and to trust that you'll get us where we need to be when we need to be there. And then I just ask, Lord, for that, that that would culminate ultimately into a holiness that comes from what you're doing through grace, not mm-hmm. that we get from, you know, what we're doing from um, beating ourselves up. Mm-hmm. You know, just that instead of always trying to do loving things, we'd just become loving people. Um, that instead of always trying to, um, you know, prove ourselves, we would just relax. And um, I also just pray, God, the things that we, so many of the things we learned from Bill and Christie, that we'd learn to be, be more honest about our emotions, to bond deeper with our friends and family and our neighbor. Mm-hmm. And Lord, we thank you and we love you. And and uh, we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Check out our Soul Shepherding blog for our free Enneagram coaching tool. We have a number of free Enneagram videos on Soul Shepherding's YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. To see these and other videos, just subscribe and follow us. We'd love for you to make comments and share these posts with your friends to help us grow the Soul Shepherding online community.